0: All right, easy enough. Hi, everybody. My name is Tyler Moore. Um, I'm at SMU in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I'm going to be telling you a bit today about a research project that's just beginning where we're trying to um, measure and improve uh, all the voluntary actions that are being taken against various bits of cybercrime. So the motivation for this work really is that um, there's a lot of bad things happening on the internet. We all know that. Um, but what is less common knowledge, although probably common knowledge in this room, is that much of the frontline defense and incident response uh, and countermeasures that, that go on today in fighting cybercrime is not carried out by law enforcement at all, and it's, it's often carried out without their, without their knowledge. Um, instead, this is carried out voluntarily by private actors within the Internet infrastructure, uh, key intermediaries. Like ISPs, hosting providers, software companies, this security vendors as well, and so this all is happening, and it's really great that it's happening because if it if it didn't happen, then the internet would be an even less safe place than it currently is. Um, and so the goal of our project is really to try to measure what's already happening now to understand how what is for certain types of attacks what's more effective versus versus other approaches, and then use that to help identify which strategies are that are being deployed now are effective and how they might be improved. So um, this is a joint project with Michelle Van Aten at TU Delft funded by uh, the USDHS and the Dutch NWO. Um, so because the project's just starting, I don't have a lot of, um, I don't know all the answers that we're gonna find, but I'm hoping from this audience to tell you a bit about what we do know and how we're planning to approach this problem and get your feedback on ideas for um, how we might improve some of our some of what we're trying to do. Okay, so um, there are lots of different ways in which you can see uh, abuse alerts being transmitted uh, by different players within the internet. So here, one example is a computer gets in, infected and put into a botnet and the ISP no- learns about this um, and what they can, notify, they can notify their customers that they've been infected in, in a way to try to clean them up. So this is a screenshot from, from Comcast alerts that they send to their users. There's, a, there's different ISPs across the globe try different, try different things. Um, so um, the, the, oh, the question is they receive, the ISPs learn about this either from their own proactive inspection or from others telling them telling this information. Uh, and then they have to decide whether they're gonna send a message like this or send, it, send some other message or, or do nothing at all. And all those decisions, all those decisions, get made um, by, by, by ISPs everywhere. Um, another example where you see this voluntary action a lot is. Uh, f- Combating web-based malware, so uh, websites get is hacked to do either load a phishing page or to distribute malware, um, and so uh, there are organizations that will try to send out notices to the hosting provider to the website owner uh, in order to try to remediate things. And this is the text of an example a notification that would that might be sent. It can't really read it, but the but the point is that it just include it's this. The target for this kind of message is different than the target for the previous one. So, um, when, an, when an ISP customer is infected, you have, um, you know, you, your messaging is going to be very different in the case in the case here because uh, in this case you would expect to have a more technically a- advanced. Um, Recipient. so if you're mailing a hosting provider you may want to tell them not only that uh, the the url of the where the where the bad code lives you might on the right side inside here give additional information about, about that so you could say uh, exactly wh- where where the bad code was found what it did uh what what and how the, the chain went through um so this this sort of thing goes on all the time and sometimes uh malware gets cleaned up and oftentimes it doesn't um but there so there are other ways in which um you see voluntary action take place. Um you know, there's all sorts of working groups that coordinate uh defensive responses. The, one of the first canonical examples was a configured working group, but they with each new uh malware threat that comes out, there seems to be this new self-organized voluntary response. Um so, sometimes you may take an even lighter approach and just try to uh name and shame. Bad offenders. This is the spam houses top ten worst spam sending I, ISPs, and so you know the, the the motivation behind this is that well, if we just put this information out there, maybe this can exert pressure to improve uh, behavior. Um, yeah, and a, a, another way to do this is less public. This this shows um, different Dutch ISPs actually, and uh, uh, over time, and their uh, sort of the amount of Compromised computers on that ISP, and you can see that there was there was huge difference between them, and then uh, shortly after, shortly later in 2010, they all kind of converged down. And the reason they converged down is because uh, these ISPs were given benchmarking information that told them that told the green and the blue lined ISPs that they were they were uh, way out of line compared to all the other ISPs in that in that country, and uh, that was then used to actually motive, to uh, Improve the overall performance in in dealing with these problems. So, um, we've come up with a conceptual model of the different voluntary actions available. Um, so, there are really three main ways that you see these actions taking place. One is sort of a direct remediation approach. So, you sort of go you go first by saying the abuse report contributor, the people who are out there collecting incident data, they some they provide this to an abuse database manager. Um, uh, so who will then perhaps send data to an abuse notifier. So, uh, and then from there, the resource owner might directly be, be contacted. So you can think of the abuse database manager as someone uh, like um, the anti-phishing working group which has a large number of uh, reported phishing URLs, uh, abuse notifiers, but in the case of phishing would be takedown companies which then will contact the website owners. Um, that's one way to do it. You, you will often see things like should I change my password.com, which, which keeps a list of um, known infected credentials, so resource owners can actually directly uh, reach out to the abuse notifier. Um, often, though, um, it's very difficult to reach the, the resource owner directly, and you instead need to go through an intermediary. Um, and so, um, intermediaries are very often enlisted in this cleanup process. Uh, so, the, report, the abuse gets reported to them instead of to the user. So, ISPs get notified rather than the residential customers directly. It's only because those ISPs are the one who actually have the information. The third way is is this third party protection where you don't actually try to fix any problems. All you try to do is um, sort of protect a third party that's not actually affected. So. Um, you can think in the case here of, say, uh, Spam House would be an abuse data manager that tracks all sorts of spam sending IP addresses. Um, they are used extensively by security vendors who um, will always will check the IP addresses um, uh, anytime they're going to accept mail to figure out if it's spam or not. And uh, if it's spam, then, then they just won't deliver the mail, and that sort of protects, that protects users, but it doesn't really deal with the problem that somebody's computer is compromised and sending spam. However, Spanhouse also provides their data to um, the two ISPs and goes back into this channel here through via the intermediaries. And the focus of most most of our research project is going to be on this intermediary remediation. Um, so, and the reason why is because um, it tends to be it tends to um, be the most common way of actually uh, dealing with these problems. Um, so we've started with a sort of a causal model of how we, of how we think um, the different aspects, uh, effects, or remediation effectiveness overall. You have this abuse reporting infrastructure. Um, which then has to contact intermediaries, which then try to actually get in touch with the resource owner. At each point, we have incentives at play. You have incentives to do the data collection. You have incentives on the intermediaries and whether or not they should respond to the abuse reports, whether they should actually actively seek out the abuse reports, and then there are resource owner incentives as well. And we're, we'll be trying to construct ways to measure the effectiveness of the remediation by seeing you know, the time it takes to clean up, whether or not the cleanup takes place at all. And one thing I'll note is that the incentives that you can place in an intermediary are often very different than what you can do on the resource owner. I think there's probably a much greater role for uh, behavioral economics in, in how you can uh, influence a resource owner's response. Uh, than for when you're dealing with intermediaries. With intermediaries, you you have to look at their um, sort of business business interests and whether or not this is something that they want to deal with. Um, but yeah, our our research questions are to see what kinds of notifications are can be most effective in getting these parties to act against abuse, and then how can we improve? How can we improve things? Um, so. Um, a little bit of prior work has been done on this. We looked at web-based malware reports, um, and essentially we did an experiment um, where um, we had websites that were infected with malware. We had to first decide if this was a bad site registered by the criminal or if it was a compromised site, and then from that, we would send notifications, um, and we the experiment sort of split up into three groups. One group, we didn't send any notice at all, and the other group, We sent a very basic report just saying that there was an infection, and then a third case we sent a full detailed report which is similar to the um, screenshot I gave you earlier where you explain the exact details of the hack, Um, and from what we saw in that earlier study that was that providing minimal information, um, just saying that there there was a problem, led to um, not much improvement, no, distinct, no statistically distinguishable improvement in cleanup rates compared to doing nothing at all. Uh, only by providing extra, lots of details about what affected the, con- what the compromise was and, and giving some insights into how to clean it up uh, led to a greater, greater actual effect. Um, so we're hoping to do more experiments and different data sources uh, to see what other what other effects actually drive this and to improve things. So there's a lot of experts in this, there's a lot of experts in this room on risk communication, security usability, usability, and so on. If you have ideas for how we might do this uh, and do design these uh, notices to be more effective, uh, come talk to me. If you have data, if you deal with abuse reporting uh, and you want to you want me to help evaluate what you're doing, come see me too. So thank you very much for your attention.